So Brother Ralph and Sister Fleur, welcome. It's really good to have you. So how long have you been part of this journey in New Zealand, This uh, the fellowship there? How long have you been part of that journey? Well, in many respects, right from the start. Yes. You know, um, I guess it really started, um, the connection between the two communities really started when Caleb Titley, Brother Nathan's brother, came down to New Zealand. Right. Um, we'd been called into a timber frame business about 10 years previously, and we were laboring to, to feel God in it Amen. at this point. Um, and we were, we were seeking more of God. And I got a phone call uh, December 2011, out of the blue, from a, a gentleman sitting in Texas, Brother Caleb, and he said he was coming to do a marketing trip to Australia and New Zealand, could he come and visit? And he shared a little bit of about their background, what they did as a business, and I'm just sitting at my desk, drawing away and you know, listening to this, this, uh, this request to come down and, and thinking, wow, that's really out of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> and so Caleb, Caleb um, is with Heritage Restorations yes, here sir. in Texas. And that started, I don't know, uh, when did Brother Kevin get that off the ground? 1997, somewhere in there? So it, it had been going for some time already. Mm. And um, he had had some interest in Australia, I think, mm. if I remember the story correctly. And so he wanted to go down and see if there were any other timber framers in the area and fly over to New Zealand from Australia. Mm. And that's why he reached out to you at that time? Yes, sir. Okay. And you had you guys had never connected before that? No, talking to um, the team back here in Texas, they had a lot of hits on their website. Yes. America was number one, then Canada, then Australia, and then New Zealand, okay. which really surprised them. And okay. so that was one of the things that stirred them to make a joint marketing trip, not just to Australia. Okay. But they're getting a lot of interest from New Zealand. I think it was a little bit of a step of faith on his part. Mm. Um, nobody knew that anything was going to come of it. And there certainly was no guarantee that he was going to connect with brothers and sisters in Christ down there. Mm. It was more of, let's just tap on this door and see if it opens. Mm. Amen. Okay, so pick it up from there. Well, um, in many ways, uh, Caleb's visit was an answer to prayer. You know, so if I give just a little brief background, um, we were at a church and um, we'd been seeking more revelation, really. We're at, it's probably about 2006, 2007, four or five years before Brother Caleb came. Okay. Um, we would pray every Thursday morning in my office at Timberworks there. Wow. And, um, and Brother Joe really initiated that. You know, he got that going. Mm. And so let me just interject here mm. that. Um, I don't remember the exact dates, and I'd have to check my my dates on this. But my sister Amanda and her husband Dan spent um, some time down in Brazil mm -hmm. uh, serving with uh, a group there, and and um, some considerable time down in Brazil. And when they came back, I believe it was right around that season, which would have been 2003. She had a dream, a very mm -hmm. vivid dream, and she saw the hills of New Zealand covered with sheep, which mm. is not so abnormal, but she felt that the Lord was telling her that there was he was going to raise up a special work in New Zealand. Mm. And she shared that with the church at that time. Mm. And it was not on our radar. Brazil was on our radar, and, 
Mexico was on our radar, Israel was on our radar, but mm. N New Zealand had never come on our spiritual mm. radar concern. Mm. And so she stood in a Sunday meeting and shared that dream. We prayed about it. I remember my dad bought us a couple books and we paged through the beautiful landscapes of, of New Zealand and those picture books and uh, nothing ever came of it. But that would have been that would have been two or three years it seems like prior to when you guys got together and started praying mm. regularly. Mm. Then you pray for four years, it sounds like, around four years, mm. and then your your church decides that y'all need to dig in more to the understanding of discipleship mm. and the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so Caleb's visit coincides with that? It does, because um, we we were called into timber framing, but I guess, you know, in our hearts, like it's Fleur and I felt, that we, we really wanted to feel part of a, a greater purpose in God. And we, we, we toyed with the idea of being missionaries. Um, Fleur is descended from missionaries. So Fleur, let's, if I could turn to you and just get a little bit of your story and your background. And I would like to, maybe you could even shed light on this. Ralph has said three times that y'all were called into timber framing. And I'd love to hear what that means. Was that the Lord, did the Lord give you a word or etc. Fleur, why don't you take it from there? Do you want to? Yes, uh, shortly after we got married, um, we'd spent some time in Canada with a friend of Ralph's who had restored an old barn and it really sparked something for Ralph and he really responded as he does when he feels something strongly and that led us into the timber frame business which we started back, back in New Zealand. So the Lord used that encounter of restoration to spark a dream in your own hearts to start a restoration business? Yes, sir. Um, I'd had a, you know, coming to faith, I'd had a real encounter with God and where he, where he showed that we were to be married yeah. before we were even had a relationship outside of friendship. And from that point on, I just, I was always looking for the leading of God. Yes. You know, and he really took us on a journey. Um, we, we traveled for a year um, and a half prior to getting married not advisable now but <laughs> um, that was the light we had but he we were really seeking the leading of God yes. every day yes and we were in Canada we did a discipleship course nine weeks in the word it was eight to ten hours study in the word every day wow. beautiful time wow new Christian being yes. in this context snow up to here in oh, Canada wow. <laughs> I was just I was just soaking it up you all know? you could do is study the word because <laughs> you're in Canada <laughs> <laughs> um, I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, you know, you know I'm, I'm probably a bit of an ideas person like many people. I know what, what it is to have worldly ideas. I chased hundreds of those right. prior to that point. But when I had that encounter with God, we were just seeking, no, if this is God, he's going to confirm it. Yes, sir. After that discipleship course, we went up, like Fleur said, stayed in this, with his friend in this cottage, timber frame cottage, and were introduced to timber framing through magazines and books. But God released a like an entrepreneurial fervor, yes. and we felt a call to take a business back to New Zealand. Amen. And we explored probably a hundred. But this timber framing just sat with both of us, and we ended up writing a little proposal and sending it to friends in Vancouver, who, he was a very good builder. Vancouver, Canada? Vancouver, Canada. Okay. A Kiwi couple that we knew. Okay. He was working on doing luxury woodwork in, on yachts. And they jumped, jumped at it, wow. and they felt the Lord at it. And so they, he ended up doing training over in British Columbia 
Um, and so God just showed us in two or three different steps. So we knew it was him. Okay. We ended up going home, getting married, and then coming back to Canada and training in timber framing okay. the next year. Okay. And so, Fleur, he said that your background, uh, your ancestors were missionaries. Give us a little bit of, of the sense of your journey in faith and how you, how you joined this picture. Mm. Um, my mother's side of the family, uh, Williams and Henry and William Williams were the first missionaries really involved with the Māori people, the native people of New Zealand back in the 1820s and they were involved with the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi which is between the British Crown and the Māori people of, of New Zealand. So there's, um, I suppose, a heritage of people that were willing to respond and to go where they were where they were called and I would say I grew up in a privileged family at the same time there was a lot of resilience built into the family of knowing how to work and loving to work putting your hand to what needed to be done and there was a strong Christian tradition within my family but it wasn't something that I would identify as I had given my life to the Lord, it was um, a tradition, but w with sincerity um, and saying that. And um, I went to university and that's when I met Ralph and had a, my first real personal experience with God where I really felt that he did know me and I really began a desire to know him more. And it was more about just being accepted as who I was. <clears throat> and again that never really held me because I didn't feel a change I didn't feel like I was really much different than what I was before and that was really beginning of a hunger of this if this is real and I want to give my life to this there has to be something which actually begins a change so do you want to pick up Ralph this seeking with Jared this discipleship and Holy Spirit quest and then Caleb comes on the scene how does this dovetail we're in 2012 or 11 11 uh, 2012 2012 yeah okay. yep so brother Caleb came in I think it's February 2012 um, um, the timber frame business uh, started with four directors two sincere couples um, making the most of it and they did uh, by this stage, it was down to one director. Everyone else had wanted out, <laughs> and for good reason. Um, yeah, the, I, I was there because I knew the Lord. Um, she gave me a very strong testimony from another brother who'd been called to business and prematurely sold a business mm. without God showing him. And in his testimony, God showed him five years later. Oh, boy. He shouldn't have done it. And that testimony kept coming back. The four or five times, Fleur and I would sit down and say, we need to move on. So we, I knew God was still in it there. So you, you're saying that you started out on this somewhat frontier business, uh, totally green, and you're pressing through in faith, and you're tempted over and over to quit, yep. as did the other directors. Who um, did quit. Yes. <laughs> but you're reminded of somebody who quit too soon. So yes, there's some sir. expectation that God was going to use the timber frame business for his purpose. Yes, sir. Amen. Definitely. And if you hadn't been in timber frame, Caleb would have never yes, made sir. the connection. Amen. So we, <coughs> he flew in, we were in the middle of probably the biggest timber frame raising we'd ever done. That was the timing for Caleb to come to New Zealand. 
um, it was a year after the Christchurch earthquake, oh, a yes. big earthquake in Christchurch. He arrived there, drove an hour north, and met us in Hamner Springs. <coughs> and um, we had an inter interesting dinner that first night with the rest of the team. And I had a sense, because I'd, I'd had a look at the website, and that a sense that he was part of something more than just the business. I found the community. Right. Um, and again, because I, we're, we were thirsty, and we were looking for more of God. Yeah. And so we were looking wherever there was a, a little lead. Um, and so over that three days that he was there, um, we, had a, we had a dinner, and I got to see how he handed, handled a couple of you know, tough questions coming from the rest of the Timberframe team, yeah. who found out that he was part of a community too. Um, and, we, and we sat down, but I was, I was interested in the community side. And so I just I asked the question, um, could he share more about how his community functions? Um, and so we parted, we went away, and maybe I shared, I, I, I was fascinated by this. Yes. And uh, three months later, um, he rang up and said, um, Ralph, I'm really busy on the tools. Would you like to come and get some experience in historic timber framing and restoration? Um, and come, come and work with us for three weeks. I wasn't so interested in timber framing. Yeah. That was really secondary. Yeah. I was really over the, um, the timber frame side for that season. And uh, so I said, yeah, I'd love to do it. I brought, brought my foreman with me um, so he could learn the timber framing. <laughs> and I could focus on other things. <laughs> That's great. And, uh, and this is still 2012? This is, this is May 2012. Um, and, and he's proposed a trip over to Texas, and you're planning to come. Yep. So I came, and I was working with the young people. And, and that was the burden I had. We had children by then, and I had a burden for the young people in our church. Yes. <clears throat> so I was working with these young people, and I was seeing these lives that were wholly devoted to God. Mm. And, I was, and I was in, in discussion, and they were free to share mm. what they'd been taught. And the young people were between 16 and 30. And that was probably most of my time, apart from the odd meetings. I met Brother Nathan for the first time, Brother Abraham. Uh, we had a couple of good encounters. Um, but it was, it was really the young people, their testimony, because I think they're the fruit. You know, wisdom is proved right by our children. Amen. You know, so they are the fruit of a ministry, and, um, or one of them. And so that was what I took away, was this very good fruit. Plus, I would ask Caleb questions about... Um, you know, your perspective on politics, your perspective on finance, social welfare, some of the issues that we're wrestling with back in New Zealand. And all the answers really blessed me. Mm -hmm. Took that back home, didn't share it with many people. Waco is not famous in New Zealand. <laughs> Waco was infamous yes. in New Zealand. <laughs> That's it. And <clears throat> it continued to be a stumbling block to many people. Right. And the next step was Kayla bring up around September same year, 2012, and suggested that how would it feel if him and another brother came down on another trip mm -hmm. to encourage us. Amen. And well, I don't know about the us, it was really, <laughs> at this stage it's just me. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I really hadn't shared too much with Fleur, a little bit, but you know, Fleur was in the middle of a racing career. Yeah. And we'd felt good about that. We had kids when she was fairly young, and the sports that she was interested in really suited someone in their late 20s and early 30s. So she was doing that. That was her focus. Um, but God orchestrated that trip. You know, Brother Caleb 
and Brother Randy felt out the dates. And it just so happened that they, that, that Fleur had this op wonderful opportunity um, to go to China. So she flew out to China early October. The next day, Brother Randy, Brother Caleb flew in. <laughs> they stayed in our house for 10 days. They flew out and Fleur flew back in. <laughs> All uncoordinated. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and, and probably the main thing that happened on that trip was that um, they were introduced to Brother Jared and Sister Tressa. And, um, you know, Brother Jared really had a hunger and thirst for more of God, mm. especially the Holy Spirit. And that came to light in that trip. Mm. And then we had an amazing time of prayer with brothers and sisters back here interceding and praying for us. Mm. Um, and he received the Holy Ghost. Jared. Jared did on that trip. That's September of 2012. October. October of 2012. Yeah. Um, and then on the end of that visit, Randy asked me before he left, he said, what do you feel is the next step of faith for your family? And I really felt after that three weeks here, and, and we'd already entertained homeschooling before we had kids, before our kids went to school. Um, but I really felt homeschooling was the next step for us. And, but I shared this with Randy. He, he, he remembers it differently to how I remember it, but I'm deferring to his memory. <laughs> he, I said, homeschooling, I really feel is the next thing for us. He said, well, let's pray for that. Why, why don't you do it? Apparently, I said, well, I think Fleur's going to entertain homeschooling at this time when hell freezes over. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was, a, that was a red flag to a bull for, for Randy. <laughs> yeah, he, he took that home and he said, right, we're going to pray. <laughs> we are going to pray. And, um, and, they, and the body did. The body prayed, and then God started to speak to Fleur. So, okay, Fleur, we're going to have to go back to you and yeah. hear your side of this a little bit. Well, I suppose there's, for me, one of the things which maybe I would say I had in, uh, received from my family is to whatever you do, you do it with all your heart. Yes, ma'am. And so uh, an opportunity came up for me to do some racing internationally. And so that was a chance to... Um, I suppose now I would see it was like giving your all, you know, to be of use, put your hand on the plow, make a difference, all those things which were um, really part of how God was drawing me to himself. But at the time I was using, uh, it ended up being a vehicle which did lead me to the Lord, but in some ways I had to take that journey in order to get there. So. Um, I'm so thankful. I'm really thankful for that. And there was some, a, a lot of um, wanting to do the best that I could. And at the same time, the tug of God was becoming really evident. And there was a distinctive time when I was getting ready to um, be prepared and contribute and um, be part of a team of four people. And I, I really wanted to pull my weight. So I was, I was working pretty hard at that. And a specific time I was riding up a hill and striving and sweating and giving what I thought was a, a, a necessary preparation for going and I really had the first of an incredibly profound experience of the love of God and it maybe seems strange to say but it was really like a leaf falling where it was so gentle but distinctive enough 
I don't think there was a leaf, but it felt like that to the point where I actually um, stopped my bike and led over the handlebars and, and thought, oh, you know, something happened and at, at that point. And I felt this incredibly kind, caring, deep voice that was something like a, a voice that knew me more than I knew myself, asking the question, why are you doing this? And it struck me so deeply that for the first time, I didn't know. And, and I really could say, I, I don't know why I'm doing this. But it wasn't a condemnation. It was a sense of an invitation or something like that. And then I really felt within me that a, a beginning of an invitation and ex um, could be expressed in the form of really feeling like the Lord asked me, do you want to burn a different fire? And I did immediately. I was like, yes. But straight away, the question followed up was, I don't know how. And then it really felt like that sense of I am my father's child because it felt like there was a presence of, I'll show you. I'll lead you. And so I literally um, turned my bike around and coasted back down the hill. Wow. And I still had... Uh, had to fulfill a, a part in a team so I did go overseas as Ralph just mentioned but it really wasn't the first major intersection with a heart that desired to belong and contribute and put my hand to the plow it w was being introduced to the the author and perfecta that really would show me how Amen mm, Thank you Jesus Amen well Thank you, Lord. So you were running in a certain race, and the Lord invited you to run in another race. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. And I suppose it's probably no less strenuous, and it doesn't demand any less of your whole self than Amen. the first. <laughs> can I? Can I also yes, just pick up and say? Yes. So we were. We were also. I want to hear about homeschooling, mm. Sister Fleur, because you know, mm. Brother Randy's praying, mm. and he's got others praying. So what's happening? At that point, I think around this time, uh, there was that sense of I didn't always remember that the Lord was going to lead me because I was still used to leading myself, and um, I think relationships, as I've learned, are the key to what drives you to change and so I, I started to become involved with our children more at school and there are things that happened which weren't bad but I really started to get a more accurate assessment of, of what was going on and one of those things was the um, the prize giving at the end of the year and if a prize giving is indicating the end result of, of a year of work that would really show you what you could expect to get out of that situation and um, I know for myself and Ralph and I were sitting together and we just had this real almost without words saying but this is not what I want this is not what we want for, for our children and so there really was within four weeks of um, I know now of the brothers of, of prayer about this desire that my husband had for us to homeschool I really had I would say four different things culminating in the last one I mentioned where I couldn't see how homeschooling was fitting into what I was doing within four weeks it was 
we are definitely homeschooling because I don't want to give the life of my children and the gift that they are to a form which I don't believe is actually what I want as a mother and as as a family and as a wife. So it really was this literal, uh, I was blind and then I could see from that perspective of I couldn't see it and then I did see it. So this has been incredible so far. But pull this together, <coughs> and how did God form a community? What, were, what was the process? What were the next steps that led you to come together and, and form that fellowship? It, it appears to me, just because uh, we, we were probably one of the first international communities to start, and we've had the privilege of seeing the other ones also start. So it appears to me that um, the Lord seeks someone to raise up. To raise up that's going to carry the carry the fire in that local context and that someone really was brother Jared you know that he had um, I think on your first visit down he had an encounter with God for me I was still hoping that the revelation <clears throat> I was probably slow to respond and and, and and turn my back on what we already had I was still hoping the revelation was going to come into our existing church context and so the Lord really started to move through brother Jared after that first visit when you all came down um, he had a couple of very powerful encounters with God he was baptized you know and he just he really started to to receive the revelation you know the revelation um, and and God was raising up a minister right back then right you know and so the, the start of the community started to, to, to coalesce if you like around been in your meeting when all ten People, all ten adults raised their hands nine years ago. What would that? And if he had then detached from the journey and came and visited you this year, what would he see at the community uh, in uh, New Zealand? I suppose um, each of our journeys is so intimately unique, which is why we can stand on it. And though none go with me, still I will follow. And so when you have that individual relationship with the Lord that causes a response and then that response is echoed with your people around you, there's that sense of a momentum and a sense of this dream is from heaven and it can really divide and open up a way and I suppose there's that feeling of all those that have gone before us that are, that are called out and you're responding to something that you can't yet see but you believe in your heart that it can happen and so I suppose our steps they may look concrete and definitive but in actual fact when you live them it's really step by step and shaky step and um, and so those to the outside if you're not involved in someone's journey it can look like these very big radical changes but to live it is really a feeling of okay are we feeling a a, a yes here are we a feeling a, a move here and oh, oh we are and and we go and we stumble and we fall down and we stand up again and I suppose relationally in terms of how you feel on the inside how you feel with your your husband, um, your families, there's that sense of every time he's been faithful. Amen. Every time it's been more. Amen. Every time Amen. there's something that actually stays and remains. Amen. And that really, I suppose, was, I can see now, answering the, the desire of my heart. And so to try and be specific to your question, at Mohaka River Farm now, there is a 
an absolute certainty of we are where the Lord has asked us to be. We're the sheep of His pasture. He's the good shepherd. And He is feeding us. He's growing us. We're being moved and placed where He needs us to be. And we really are learning to hear His voice. And we're responding more quickly. And so there is that sense of we're not yet where we're going, but we're a long way from oh, we where started. we started. <laughs> and so uh, for that, that desire to have something that is big enough for your, for your whole life where you don't get injured and then it's over or you don't um, head up against something which actually falls over. There's this feeling now where we have something which is big enough individually, it's big enough as a couple, it's enough for your whole family, for the future. It's a sense of that hope against hope, that amen, we have somehow stumbled in spite of ourselves onto something which um, really is the the cry of, of, of my heart and I feel those others that have around the world crying for the same thing. Amen. Okay, I'm going to ask you each three questions. I'll start with you and you can be thinking of your answers. Uh, what's been the toughest struggle along the way? Second, what's been the greatest reward? And third, what would you say to someone entertaining this path? Toughest struggle. You know, um, probably the toughest struggle is to trust the ways in which God is seeking to um, grow us up and to build His church, um, especially through the relationships. You know, to be able to, you know, when you come from the backgrounds we come from, you know, it's um, you guard your heart. You know, guard your heart for the wellspring of life. Sure. But we guard our heart in the wrong way. Right. We bottle up all those fears. Right. We bottle up all those challenges and difficulties, especially relational difficulties. And in the body, of, in this body, it doesn't work. Right. You cannot do that and continue to grow. So right. the, probably the biggest battle for me is to open my heart to the relationships God has placed around me, mm-hmm. so that He can deal with those fears. Amen. You know, some of those fears, they probably go back generations. Sure. We inherit so much rubbish, right, right. but but God is faithful. If we Amen. can open our heart, Amen. He will deal with every single one, Amen. and He has. Amen. Very thankful for the ministry. That's wonderful. You know, um, okay. so greatest reward. Greatest reward is seeing the joy. You know that. You know, in His presence is fullness of joy. Is seeing the joy come to as people are overcoming and moving forward. Amen. Especially if not children. You yes. know, children just radiate a joy when they're joyous. Yes. You know, and it, but adults too. Yes. You know, seeing the victories. Yes. You know, seeing the victories and or seeing new people come and catching a glimpse of the revelation that we caught. Amen. You know, and they and they come into they come into the horse trekking and they feel the presence of God and they have an encounter with God on the horse. Yes. <laughs> and it's just being with the people of God. Yes. You know, so that's the greatest joy is, is seeing the overcomings and someone moving forward. Amen. Stepping forward. Okay, what would you say to someone who's entertaining this path, a Christian who's entertaining this journey? Learn from those that have gone before. Amen. You know, um, I was very blessed to see how God unfolded the chalice situation. Yeah. A group of people who want to start community in Idaho, and they're just one example, yeah. and got the revelation that we are trying to go from here all the way over to there. You know, that's a large gap to bridge. Let's go and learn from those that have gone before. Let's open our hearts and ask the questions. 
well, I'm an engineer by training. I don't like to reinvent the wheel. Right. Someone's already invented the wheel. I'm going to use that wheel, yes. and I'll go put my energy into the next thing. Sure. You know, so learn from those that have gone before. Okay, I'm going to come back in just a second, but I'm going to ask you the first, uh, first the same three questions. What has been the toughest challenge along the way? The, one of the hardest things for me would have been to accept that I was bought at a price and that I was no longer my own. That was a big yielding, to actually believe that to be hidden and to be bought at a price. And uh, part of what the Lord showed me in that is uh, you can't decorate what you don't own. And so to be yourself, but to be hidden and yielded, oh, I've... I'm step by step learning that, but it is so trustworthy and so faithful, and I stumble around still, but that would be one of the hardest, to know with peace that what well, I've been bought at a price and I'm no longer my own, but that is, that's the true gift of a father, is to have a place. There's a lot in that. Mm. There's a lot in what you're saying. Mm. Okay, what has been the greatest reward? The greatest reward is seeing the fruit that we longed for when we didn't have it. So in our own marriage now, oh, it's such a joy. And to truly believe um, when two become one, it's a traditional um, expression in marriage vow. And I had no idea what that meant. That was like some kind of... uh, something that said but what does that mean and I actually I know what that means now and I'm going to continue to know what that means and I see that in our relationship with our children with us as a people and we've not arrived but oh we're going to keep on moving in that way praise God and what would you say to a to a lady who would be entertaining embarking on this path um, if, if you don't mind, I have yes, something that's please. in the front of my Bible. Anything you feel. And um, before we actually, the, the Lord introduced us to, to this way, my husband actually found this. I think your, your father yeah. um, did she, and has... He, your, he does quote it. Yes, sir. So if you don't mind, it, please read this it. is what I would say quotes. is the... Um, the true north, that's something which I, it's at the front, because I know I need to come back to it. People do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. So, for me, it's a decision as, as clearly as it was to... Um, to get married, to um, be involved in the sporting things that we did for all those that have gone before us that have walked the, walked the path. <laughs> it's a decision to keep on orientating yourself back to, you know, to, to, to what we know actually brings life. Amen. In short, you're saying make sure God is defining your virtues, your terms, 
the frame of your understanding. Because exactly. what he's doing there is redefining. He's saying, you label it, you call it this, but it's really this. Mm. It's very powerful. Mm. Okay, just in closing, describe Mohawka River Farms to someone who's never seen it, heard of it, or imagined a place like it. Well, it's a little hidden jewel in the Hawke's Bay wilderness. Uh, so it's 275 acres, a long sort of narrow farm with a river boundary right down one side. Beautiful river, the Mohawka River. Good for rafting and fishing, very good fly fishing. Um, it's on three sort of different terraces. It's surrounded by low mountains and it's very isolated. It's about 50 minutes from the nearest uh, convenience store or gas station. Mm. Um, it's got seven families now that make up the community living there and we have a number of different businesses. We have the campground, the horse tracking and then three woodworking businesses plus our craft and we're really committed to being a self-sufficient, increasingly self-sufficient community you know or else dads will end up getting back into commuting. So we are trying to create a place for people to come and experience farm life craft and a little bit of can get a taste for a Christian community. Amen. That's wonderful. And if somebody wanted to visit a website, can you give a website? I think it's simply www.mohawkariverfarm.co.nz mohawkariverfarm.co.nz yes. yeah. Here in the States we say Z, everywhere else they say Z. Yes. Well, you guys are wonderful and it's it's been wonderful to be part of this journey with you mm. from a distance sometimes up close Amen. and it's been wonderful to hear your stories Amen. at least in this encapsulated form <laughs>